You're listening to Music Tectonics. Hi, and welcome back to Music Tectonics, the podcast where we look at seismic shifts affecting music tech and music tech. Uh, my name is Tristra Newyear Jaeger. I am the irregular host here. I pop on now and then to talk to interesting folks from around the world about in, about innovative ideas and big shifts coming in music technology. And today I have with me an amazing guest whose work I've been really admiring from afar. He has taken it on himself to gather information about the intersection between music, tech, and the climate crisis and ways to address climate change and other related environmental challenges that we face now as a species. So I would like to introduce Boss Grossmeyer. Um, and Boss has been involved in music tech for many, many years as a consultant and advisor and big thinker. Um, Boss, uh, I'll let you introduce yourself a little bit further. Can you share with uh, our audience here a bit about what you do and how you approach music tech? Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, first of all. Um, so my background is largely in music streaming. So I've been, uh, I worked for a few years in Russia on music streaming, um, trying to build ads, like develop the markets and build ads, reality of music streaming there, bring that to, to market there. I was um, heading up products for a service called Zvuk. Recently, uh, I've been spending my time in Berlin, uh, heading up products for a startup called iDaja, which is a classical music streaming service. Um, specifically designed around the specifics of classical music. So I died here, I left a while ago and I started uh, my project back up, which is probably the thing that I'm most known for, which is called Music Tech Future, which is a newsletter on music and innovation. It's been going on for about four years uh, with a short hiatus. And then recently something called Music X Green, which is about music and sustainability. That is excellent. So First, let's talk about what, in general, uh, folks are talking about, thinking about in this big field where sustainability and music and technology overlap. Where are some of the main areas that you've seen by um, just observing what's going on or just from your own experience um, where climate issues intersect with music and music tech? So, I mean, I can think of the live touring, the live and touring space, streaming and its carbon footprint has been talked about a lot. Um, vinyl and other physical products and their impact. What are some of the areas that you find most um, most interesting and most challenging? So, well, from a from a geeky perspective, I find festivals really interesting because the type of innovation around making a festival greener, even though it's very related to music uh, uh, as a context, doing like making the energy grids more efficient or maybe selling vegetarian stuff rather than meat. Um, has very little to do with music, and that's where a lot of innovation can can happen. So for me, that's interesting because it provides interesting angles to actually think about uh, what are all the types of innovation that we can employ around music to, uh, to be less impactful in a negative way and have a, a more positive impact on solving some of these problems that we uh, have in terms of uh, footprints. That's a really interesting um, way to think about it, the positive impact. Usually we think about reducing the impact or footprint of festivals or tours. Um, do you see, have you noticed any interesting developments in terms of, uh, you know, almost like festivals as incubators for creative ideas, whether it's, you know, coming up with a different way to serve beverages or single-use plastics, or, I mean, or are people changing the uh, festival experience itself in a way that responds to sustainability in new ways? So absolutely. And I think, unfortunately, Europe is 
quite a bit bit ahead. The good thing, I, and I say unfortunately also because it makes it really difficult for me to talk about the U.S. And I imagine there's quite a big um, U.S. audience to this podcast. But the good thing is um, there's all these things that are already happening, and you can more or less copy paste them. One thing I came across quite quite a few years ago, actually quite before I was into this, uh, like deeply into this topic, was um, let's call it organization from the from the Netherlands called Open House. And what they were doing, they were kind of like a startup incubator that were connecting startups to festivals. And these startups were about um, sustainability, reuse, uh, management of waste. And uh, the reason why they would connect these startups, uh, so they would connect these startups and then also NGOs. Because when you do a festival, you have a few very unique aspects. You need to build a small city really quickly. You need to tear it down really quickly. With that comes a lot of waste, a lot of energy use, a lot of planning. So if you can make, uh, along the the whole chain of events, if you can make things more efficient, less wasteful, if you can reduce the amount of things you need, uh, that's a really interesting playground to to test out things. So uh, open house still are doing things with uh, the Red Cross, with uh, festivals and events in the Netherlands, because they need that type of expertise and innovation to set up refugee camps. And then the other aspects I think that's really interesting of festivals, people go there and for a day or two or three, uh, sometimes longer, you're in this kind of little fantasy world and it can be a really inspiring experience. People are willing to try out different things. So if, if at a festival you can show people um, here's what happens when you, you know, throw your rubbish in the right bin so that it gets recycled. We can make these things. You, it, it might inspire someone to do a little bit more because it's really like they can see like right in front of their eyes how stuff can be recycled. Or I think a big one is maybe people will try out different foods. So uh, there are some companies experimenting with creating insects produced food. Exactly. And it's really, really efficient. And maybe at a festival, if, Maybe people are a little bit tipsy or whatever. They're willing to try it and they, and they say, oh, that's fine. And the same with vegetarian food, which might be uh, scary or might have like um, vegetarian food might have a bit of a stigma around it because, I don't know, maybe it might come across a yeah, little bit. It's a great, it's a great source of protein. Snobbish. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been a, I've, I haven't eaten meat for like 10 years, but uh, I, I understand that people are like, no, just give me a burger. Um, I don't want like a mushroom burger. I just want normal old school beef. There's a lot of culture baked into our food that, um, you know, and we come, we can sometimes set aside that baggage at a place like the festival where everything is suspended temporarily. Right. And, and that might give people a trigger to change things uh, in their personal lives after they've been there. That's really cool. And I'm also imagining that festival organizers, as they're keeping an eye on sustainability, that they may be transforming the way they set up the experience, um, maybe changing the you know shifting towards a more virtual set of virtual experiences instead of say building out a huge set like a um you know like some festivals do they may be doing some making some other changes that could shift the way we understand festivals yeah and there's some really um there's an organization in europe called um i gotta say say their name right i think it's called a greener festival and they look at what are the greenest festivals in europe uh they recently handed or i think in the world actually and uh, they recently handed out some awards um and the ones that got like the the top kind of certificates they look like very uh, i haven't been there myself but they look like very participatory uh type of events and festivals where there is music 
uh, but it's uh, every stage is a little bit smaller scale. And instead of having like these huge shows where everyone's just kind of watching in a massive crowd, uh, they try to make it smaller scale so that it's uh, more of an event that happens together with the community rather than you know selling the band that is on stage, which which is another way you can do things. Excellent. Um, as someone who's been in the streaming music world for a long time since its inception, I probably, um, I'm wondering how you think about streaming in the sustainability context. I mean, on one hand, it helps with, you know, physical objects require lots of energy and materials to produce and to tote around and store and throw away. Yet there's also a big problem with server farms. Um, how do you think about this problem? And, you know, what are some of the uh, thoughts and dynamics you've observed from watching the sustainability space in music tech? Um, so that is like a good point. You make a really good point and that's very actually quite problematic. So it's estimated that right now the, the music industry or the recorded music industry's uh, footprints, climate footprint, CO2 footprint, is larger than it ever was, even at, at like the CD uh, distribution heydays. And that's that's pretty, like that's that's bad. Uh, and it has a lot to do with, with the data centers. Uh, it has a lot to do with the fact that if you want to listen to music, you there's got to be multiple computers running from the device that you uh, listen on to wherever it's streaming from and, it, and then maybe various things in between. So it's in a way quite power intensive. I think, the, and most of, most of the power gets used by the data center. So that's, that's where, where the largest issue is. Also uh, data centers use a lot of water to cool themselves and that water like just gets wasted too. So that's problematic. I, I'm slightly optimistic because it's concentrated to one rather specific, but very big thing. So if you innovate in making data centers more efficient in uh, having data centers switch over to renewables, locating data centers in places where it's easier to have access to, let's say, cheap renewable energy, you can solve a lot of the problem. But also music companies and music streaming services have to prioritize it. They have to say, okay, we'll, we'll pay a little bit more for our, uh, for our storage and for serving all the content to users. Um, as it's called, streaming all the content to users, but at least it's green. And yeah, that, that's a little bit, I think that's a little bit difficult to negotiate, especially since it's about really, really huge quantities of data. Yeah, and very thin margins from the streamer's perspective um, mm. already. So taking a tiny bit more off the top to be sustainable sounds great, you know, theoretically, but maybe really challenging from a business perspective. Yeah, and by the way, when I say difficult, I don't mean uh, I don't mean it difficult in a negative way. It's just we have, <laughs> we have to figure it out. We have to do yeah. it, um, and we got to figure out how do we accomplish that. How do we um, maybe explain it to consumers in the case of uh, potentially price rises? How do we get um, people who stream or let's say music fans, how do we get them to have a basic expectation of uh, certain standards around that so that they demand it from services? All of that and like all, all of these things are possible. It, it just uh, takes some work around like awareness side, but also around actually investing in the infrastructure that powers all these services. That's a really excellent, I'm glad you're optimistic. I think optimism sometimes fails in these conversations and, and just because their problems are daunting, but big problems are, you know, they're just really big and they take time to address and 
in some ways tech can help. It can also hinder, but there's a lot, we've got a lot of tools in play. Um, where, you know, where do you feel in terms of sustainability writ large? And as you're thinking about music tech, what developments feel the most promising to you right now? What are you most optimistic about, most excited about? Where do you see the most hope for us to bring our love of music and music events into alignment with our values and, and need to address climate issues? Um, that's a very nice and very open question. Um, what I think is what I think is really important for um, basically any organization in music is to appoint someone who's responsible for thinking of these topics. So very long ago, um, uh, or actually not that long ago, maybe 15 years ago, um, organizations started doing this for like a digital person. Maybe it was just, uh, maybe it was the intern that had to think, start, maybe it's 20 years ago, maybe 25. Maybe it was the intern, maybe it was the intern that had to start <laughs> thinking about um, uh, these digital topics or they were just the one talking about it. So that's how everyone kind of learned about it. Uh, or maybe it was someone who was especially hired. It's like at some points, um, uh, you got this chief digital officer uh, role at all the, all the major labels and, and also bigger indies. And I, I imagine we might see something around sustainability um, as a role also that, that becoming normal in these uh, organizations. So what I'm very positive about, and why I'm focusing on that is because the thing that I'm most positive about is that suddenly this conversation went from something quite obscure to something very normal. Uh, like very quickly, this conversation about, let's say, sustainability or the climate or um, the, the footprints of music business. Uh, very quickly did this conversation become a normal conversation to have where people have a lot of questions and they're like, yeah, but what do we do? And uh, kind of a, this feeling of powerlessness. Um, but there's a, a lot happening. And I think it's very important that people are sharing information and expertise and insights and that there are people at these organizations who, uh, one, go solicit that, but two, can also spread their case studies and what they're learning and maybe create collaborations with uh, other organizations. So the, the live events sector is already doing this very well. I just stumbled upon a project in the UK. I think it's called Energy Revolution. What that does is it's like at least 100 uh, partnered UK festivals, and they want to offset the audience travel emissions. So just like how you can do like the carbon calculator for um, traveling uh, by, by plane, um, there's a lot of CO2 output by audience traveling to festivals. So they let audiences um, calculate this when they buy their tickets. And then they let them add a donation so that they offset their travel emissions related to the event. Uh, and that has like hundreds of festivals partnered up. And there's like quite a few initiatives like that. That's a live industry. And uh, there's quite a lot has been happening there already for quite a while. And now you see the rest of the industry kind of getting involved and joining the conversation and figuring out, well, like, what can we do? And I think that's a very positive development. I think you're totally right about the conversation going um, from nothing or just like totally on the outer fringes to the center. And it's it's amazing how quickly that's happening. And that is indeed uh, something that inspires a lot of optimism in me. I mean, I'm an American, so like optimism is sort of like our default mode. Um, but that I still, it's a very, very exciting thing to, to witness. Now, um, you've done an amazing job of trying to corral all of these different projects and approaches and ideas and products 
and services and put them into one place. Can you tell um, everybody how to find out more about your work, um, both on the music tech and the sustainability side? Yeah. So, um, I mean, most relevant to this conversation is um, musicxcream.com. What I've done there is uh, when I started researching this topic, I actually found it kind of difficult. There was nobody consistently blogging about this. There was not like one place where I could find stuff. I did keep seeing the same studies and same examples uh, and, and same organizations being mentioned in news articles. And I wondered, there has to be more. So I tried to start researching and it wasn't as easy as many other topics that I've researched around music be- um, before and in the past. So I figured maybe I just built something to make it easier for everyone because uh, ultimately uh, there is a lot of information out there, uh, including on what you can do or who you can work with, um, services you can hire, um, potentially products you can get. And I wanted to just gather all of those things in one place so that uh, if information travels faster, we can all improve faster. If we can, we can learn faster and but we need to be able to see these things. And then at the same time, when I got back to writing my newsletter, um, I think it was, I, I started it back up around the end of the summer. I think the landscape of what people are talking about now in terms of music and innovation is quite different from uh, about four years ago when I started it up, where I felt everyone had, was just talking about streaming, but that was no longer, at least for me, that was not the new thing. And people were talking about like very specific things on on, on major streaming platforms changing and uh, whether that's good or bad for artists. It's like, come on, we have to like think further. And like, it, it felt like this whole generation of discourse that happened that was very innovative when these streaming services came up, just kind of got stuck on that topic. So I started writing about, you know, like what about VR? What about chatbots? What about kind of modern versions of social media strategy? What are exciting startups doing what about ai of course nice topic but then when i started my newsletter back up um i just felt there's so many really great people writing about this and i think uh, actually partially um the music tectonics blog is doing some great writing um, but also <laughs> but also uh i think first and foremost uh sherry you Oh and, yeah, she's amazing. Uh, Amber Horsberg writes really great things about uh, like music marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, music Business Worldwide has some uh, really great um, writing themselves and really great contributions. So for me, it didn't feel urgent to write about those topics because people are doing it anyway. So I started writing more about um, uh, sustainability also in my newsletter, which uh, uh, just to answer your question is called uh, Music X Tech X Future. Um, and if you add .com at the end of that, you can you can find it and you can find like everything that I wrote. Great. Yeah. And I, I encourage everyone to do that because, um, Boss, you are among the, the handful of people out there in, in English, at least, who are writing very deep thought, you know, thought provoking pieces about the intersection of a lot of these different forces. And I really appreciate that some folks are taking the time to do the deep thinking um, because I think that's really important. As you said, it's very easy to get caught up in feature obsession or like, oh, here's this other startup and this other startup and here's a startup. And you're like, what are they all doing? They all sound the same. Um, whereas getting the bigger, taking a step back is often really, really useful. So um, it's a big service to the industry. 
Um, anyway, I really appreciate everything you've been doing on the sustainability front. Everybody go sign up and go and find out about all these cool projects going on around the world in sustainability. Add some of your own if you're working on that. And um, let's move this along so that, you know, we don't all die. No, um, just kidding. Um, <laughs> not to be in, in the podcast on a positive note. Um, so, uh, Boss, is there anything else you want to share with us or before we uh, say goodbye or any other? I know you've got another you got another dance project, too, that you, you're just like a project machine lately. Um, <laughs> it's like I've I've been really um I've been uh, been like, dang, this guy's this guy's not letting a moment go by without doing something interesting. So tell us about the one you just launched this month, um, or by the time this podcast out, it might be last month. Um, but uh, hard, was it Hard Dance Berlin? It sounded like a pretty amazing passion project as well. Do, am I, oh, is that okay to mention now? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. cool. Um, so, like. I kind of set a goal for myself. I want to launch 12 projects this year, uh, like kind of on the side, just kind of hack something together. It can be, can be something big, can be something small. Um, but the only way I'm going to do 12 is if it's topic that, topics that I'm really passionate about, that I already know something about and that I understand, um, you know, what problem am I solving? Uh, are there people like me and, and what do we need? So the very brief version, I, um, I've, there's a trend in electronic music where I don't know if that, probably also in the US where um, you see like harder styles of music and faster styles of music kind of surging uh, in in these uh, music scenes. Once more, I think uh, I think this was a trend. As we actually in the Netherlands we saw it in the '90s that I was like this mainstream genre called gabber, and uh, it was huge. There's a whole subculture around it. And anyway, people are like mm-hmm. borrowing those aesthetics and it's kind of coming back. And I figured, well, if this is happening and I, w- I was meeting people I'm speaking to, they should also know about like the underground scenes around it because I felt people are very stuck to their own little kind of scene and corner in that while um, in a city like Berlin, where there's a lot of electronic music culture, um, there was a lot of things going on there. So I figured, let's make a listing. Let's list all the DJs. Let's list all the events. Uh, let's build a calendar so that also we're not completely dependent on uh, Facebook events. Let's make sure that people can have like a really wide overview of all the different things that are happening in this scene. Um, I also started like a social media channel around it where I'm uh, just spending a couple minutes a day uh updating people on like look this artist has this music out there's these events happening and really trying to create like a kind of cross scene community around these types of music and just create visibility for each other because like we have to fight for our music scenes and sometimes it's hard to understand how can you participate or what can you do for your music scene to be successful Uh, i think the most important thing is just promote promote what everyone is doing uh show up uh whenever you can i'm 34 so it's like i can don't really want to go out every weekend necessarily or or maybe even multiple days in the in the week but so i do what i can and i'm good from behind the computer um so that's that's what i've done there awesome well i'll look forward to seeing what other little projects you launch um and big projects and thank you so much for your time and for your insights looking forward to reading more soon on the sustainability front um this is trister new jaeger the head writer and strategist at rock paper scissors and you've been listening to music tectonics you can follow us on our blog musictectonics.com and we have just announced our conference which is coming up in la in october so 
So everybody, come check it out. Come get your badge, and we can have fun conversations like this in person. Thanks again, boss, for your time, and um, take care. Thank you. You're listening to Music Tectonics.